Stanford versus USC. Two teams with a lot of question marks right now as we enter the second week of the regular season. And two teams looking for the answers that they want to get. We'll try to sort through it all here on this edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clary. Thursday, September 5th, 2019. We're getting ready for a big one. The first road game of the year for the Cardinal. The first Pac-12 game of the year for the Cardinal. And a lot on the line for both of these teams. Glad you're with us here. I'm Troy Clarity, the host of this show. Glad to have you along for the ride here with us. And we've got a lot to get to. As we've got a big game to break down. Stanford versus USC always means something. And I certainly like that. And we're going to have a lot of help breaking down this Saturday evening's game. It's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff from the new and improved L.A. Coliseum. Looking forward to, to seeing how that place looks with my own eyes. David Shaw, the head coach of the Stanford Cardinal, a one-on-one -on -one chat with the TreeCast. Can any other Stanford football podcast do this? I don't think so. David Shaw, one-on-one -on -one his thoughts coming up in a few moments right here on the TreeCast. Also looking forward to chatting with Stanford defensive captain and safety Malik Antoine. Played a very good game along with the rest of the Stanford defense in last week's 17-7 opener against Northwestern. Looking forward to seeing what he and the Cardinal defense can do again against a USC squad who is going to look pretty different than what they looked like perhaps in the first half of their game against Fresno State. Of course, much more on that as we go along. Plus, we'll get you They Said It, kind of the quote of the week, if you want to call it that, as we get you ready for the Cardinal and USC. Quick, quick, A couple of quick notes. You can follow me, Troy Clarity, on Twitter. At Troy Clarity is the way to go there. At Troy Clarity, last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. I'm um, glad to have you with us. Our fourth season of TreeCast Podcast, my 27th season following the Stanford Cardinal, and about to kick off my sixth season of play-by-play -play with the Pac-12 Network. Soccer uh, coming up. Uh, Georgetown at UCLA. Looking forward to bringing that to you uh, on Monday. But between now and then, I got to get on a plane and head down to Los Angeles and check out Stanford versus USC football. And before we do anything else, we got to get you three things you need to know about Stanford football right now. That, of course, means that we start with the big subplot for the Stanford Cardinal in this one, and really for, for both teams, is quarterback health. Obviously, JT Daniels, uh, the, the USC starter, out for the year. Keaton Slovis gets the call, the true freshman uh, for the Trojans. But for Stanford's purposes, concern about KJ Costello. The hit that he suffered late in the first half against Northwestern that knocked him out of that game uh, with an upper body injury. Let's just call it that. But in all likelihood, uh, Costello was likely placed in the concussion protocol with that hit to the head that knocked off his helmet against Northwestern. Costello, officially, as I speak right now, and it's very early on Thursday afternoon, Costello officially questionable for the game on Saturday. Now, I was at practice on Wednesday for Stanford. I don't know the extent of KJ Costello's participation during, during practice, but after practice, I can tell you that he was throwing and working with receivers like he normally does after practice. How much to make of that? Well, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a neurologist, but, but I do trust that all parties involved will make the right decision here. 
based on things that, that I saw after practice, however, on Wednesday, and things that you're gonna hear David Shaw talk about here in a moment, things seem to be pointing upwards for KJ. But, and, and by the time that you hear this, perhaps we know officially. More on that with David Shaw in a moment, but of course right now, the number one thing you need to know is that as I speak and as I say this, KJ Costello's status for USC is up in the air. That brings us to... And really the more troubling injury, I think, for Stanford from the Northwestern game was to the left tackle, Walker Little, the rock of the Stanford offensive line, the only guy to start in every single game for Stanford's offensive line that was injury riddled in 2018. Now he's out for at least a month. Uh, some reports had it as a knee injury. Uh, David Shaw did not get into the specifics of the injury, but did just say that, that they were hoping to have Walker back by midseason. So Walker Little out for the foreseeable future. That means, hello, Walter Rouse, the true freshman. Hasn't even cracked open a book at Stanford yet, but he's about to get a crash course in playing left tackle in the Pac-12. He's six foot six, 291 pounds from Silver Spring, Maryland. Went to Sidwell Friends School. Let's see, who wants one from Sidwell Friends to Stanford? Oh yeah, Chelsea Clinton, right off the top of my head. So uh, he follows in some, some, uh, some lofty footsteps there. And he chose Stanford over Notre Dame, and he wears number 75. That's all that I knew about Walter Rouse heading into this week. So at Tuesday's presser, I asked David Shaw what else we need to know about Walter and what's on his plate this week against USC. Uh, a lot for a freshman uh, left tackle. Uh, but for the most part, I think you've heard me talk about it during the offseason, both spring and training camp, you know, really really tried to pare down a lot of things that we're doing. So a young guy like this has come in and play. We're not going to ask him to do a whole bunch because we pared down our offense a little bit. So for him, it's about going out there playing fast. Um, he's going to be uh, lined up next to a senior the whole game. He'll be in great communication. Got a lot of trust uh, in Devery um, to uh, make sure that he's always doing the right things. But Walker's had a, Walter's had a great training camp. Honestly, for a young guy coming in with no expectation of playing, just coming in to try to learn and grow. And, but he's competed every day. He's done a great job in all of our one-on-ones. We've got some great guys to, to compete against um, in our pass rush drills. And then and our nine on sevens are physical. And he's been able to match the physicality. And um, I think over his time here, I think he's going to get uh, bigger and stronger and, and better. But right now, um, I think he's good enough uh, to start there for us and um, hopefully he has a great game. That's David Shaw's thoughts on Walter Rouse. You know what else is normally on Walter Rouse's plate? Fish. He's a pescatarian. Interesting. But certainly a lot of eyes are going to be on number 75, not just for this week, but for the next few weeks. And Walter Rouse is going to be the man on the island, the left tackle for the Stanford Cardinals starting against USC. Two things down, that means we've got one more thing to tell you about. Three. Series notes here, like a couple things that I find interesting when you talk about Stanford versus USC. Uh, Stanford has beaten USC eight times in the last 10 years, going back to 2009. Eight times in the last 10 years. Stanford previous to that time period beat USC eight times in the previous 30 Four years. It took Stanford 34 years to beat uh, to beat USC eight times from 1975 to 2008. 
They've beaten USC eight times in the past 10 years. Amazing to note. And also, don't forget, last year Stanford swept USC, UCLA, and Cal for the third time in the last four years. It's pretty good. That's a pretty neat little accomplishment. Just for some context, Cal has not swept the other California schools. For them, that will be Stanford, USC, and UCLA. Cal has not beaten all three of those teams in the same season since 1958. That still blows my mind. But Stanford hoping for another California sweep here in 2019. Step one coming up on Saturday. And those are three things. Now, in case I needed a further reminder of what this week was, I rolled up to the Stanford campus on, on Wednesday evening and got out of my car and uh, walked up to the practice fields. And as, as I was walking, I, I, I heard a, a very familiar sound in the background. That, that incessant drum beat, those, those same chords over and over and over again, and the same, the same song played on a loop all throughout the course of the evening and wafting throughout the athletic portion of the Stanford campus. Yep, it's USC week, and that means that David Shaw and the coaching staff put tribute to Troy and fight on on the loudspeakers and turn it up to 11, hit the repeat button, and just leave it alone until practice is over. Stanford versus USC week, one of the more intriguing weeks uh, of the season every single year. It always means a lot and certainly means a lot again here for the 2019 version. After Wednesday's practice was done, caught up one-on-one -on -one with the Stanford head football coach. David Shaw covered some topics, including the rivalry. But of course, we had to talk about KJ Costello as I began the chat by asking him for his latest update on the Stanford quarterback. KJ's uh, status will be cemented maybe tomorrow, definitely by Friday, and we won't keep it a secret. We won't go all the way till game day. Um, so uh, the next day or so will be will be important for us to make that decision. Obviously, a big week with uh, you know you roll up here and you hear the fight song blaring in the background and and all those sorts of things. From your perspective, what sort of things go into Stanford versus USC week? Well, it's it's a rivalry. Um, and the way that you say it's something is a rivalry is the games go back and forth. Um, both teams have won games. Um, we twice in Pac-12 championship games we've played, um, split those. Um, we've had a lot of great players, a lot of great games, a lot of exciting games and, and great finishes. Um, so um, I expect the same thing, you know, this, this week under the lights. Um, they've got an outstanding team. Um, you know, the two quarterbacks, you know, hopefully, you know, may or may not play. Right? But the bottom line is the two really good football teams, two, two talented football teams, and it should be a good game. How has Davis handled the week so far? Uh, great. Great. You know, he got a chance to play for a half and did some good things. Um, has a lot of things to learn from, particularly taking care of the football. Um, but uh, took all that in stride, and if he gets an opportunity to play this week, um, I think it'll be uh, much improved. What have been some of the themes so far for practice this week? Well, the bottom line is effort. Um, these guys play hard. You see it on their film. Defensively, they run to the ball. They have a lot of different things that they do, but they play fast and they play physical. Um, offensively, 
Um, they get the ball out quick, you know, the style of offense. They got a bunch of guys that can catch it and do something with it. They got guys that can get down the field and make plays. And they have multiple running backs uh, that are tough runners that it takes more than one guy to bring them down. And you can't just throw an arm out there and think that you're going to get them down the ground. So um, you got to play great team defense, which everybody says, but this group in, in particular, these running backs will hurt you. Um, and if you spend too much time on the running game, then you got a lot of one-on-ones outside that you have to try to find a way to win. What changes in Pac-12 play? Well, just realizing that um, that's our focus. Our focus is our conference. And some other some other conferences kind of get three or four games before they get into conference play. We get one that we get into conference play, and then we're out of conference play, then we're back into conference play. So it's recognizing that every single game we have to give our best shot. But these games are really important if we want to have a chance to get to the Pac-12 championship game. Anything that goes through your mind generally when you're walking through the tunnel at the Coliseum and, and seeing, you know, it's going to be a bit different now with the look with the new skybox that they have there. But when you walk through the Coliseum, all the history they have down there and some of the great games that Stanford and USC have played down there over the years, what sort of things go through your mind when you're on that field and on that sideline? Well, uh, for me, it's been um, a lifetime as a West Coast uh, football enthusiast. My dad coaching in the Pac-8 and the Pac-10. Uh, my uncle um, playing at USC and coaching at USC. was an All-American at USC. Um, so I grew up going to games in the Coliseum. So for me, every time I go back, it's very nostalgic, um, not even just playing and coaching, but as a young man, um, watching games in that stadium and then coming back as a player, playing a couple games in that stadium and not coaching a lot of games in that stadium. So um, a lot of great memories in there, um, a lot of great football games played in that place, both our games, but then also other games. Um, so I think it's a it's a definitely historic landmark that um, I appreciate every chance we get a chance to go play there. And I just realized this. It's been 10 years since the What's Your Deal game and that amazing fourth quarter and one of the more uh, intriguing chapters of this recent rivalry. What do you remember from that game? Oh, I remember a lot from that game. Um, I was not the head coach of that game. Uh, that was that was a. Um, I think a lot of people that watched the game got a chance to see what Toby Gerhardt was about. And um, it was we were physical up front, we were good up front, and we had you know, one of the best, if not the best, back in America at the time, and we fed him. Um, you know, the score was, was lopsided, but that game was really uh, an opportunity to really hand the ball to a guy who's 240 pounds and likes to run the power play. Last thing I got for you, what's your overall key to this game as it stands right now? Oh, gosh, there's more than one key. There's so many keys. Field position is going to be huge. Big plays, explosive plays are going to be huge. Um, uh, special teams are going to be big, right? You know, we got to have the proper kick because their, their returners can take it to the house, obviously. Um, uh, limiting our turnovers, trying to get turnovers. All those things are, are big because we anticipate this game being a close, tight game all the way down to the fourth quarter. And the team that makes the most plays and makes the fewest mistakes is going to win. Our thanks to David Shaw for uh, spending some time uh, with us. Yeah, 10 years, 10 years since the What's Your Deal game. And that... That double nickel that Stanford put up that day, 55 points on the uh, L.A. Coliseum scoreboard. I wish I wish that game could have gone on for 10 more quarters. I was absolutely giddy after that game was done. Man, man, that was that was a lot of fun. Stanford catching the USC defense with their pants down at the goal line, running tempo in the first half. And, and then the pick six by Richard Sherman, who proudly declared to one and all that he was undefeated in the L.A. Coliseum to the TV cameras after that game. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. By the way, all the keys that David Shaw listed for things that he'll be watching during the course of the game, there's one key that I think he left out. I'll bring that up later, and we'll discuss that later on in the TreeCast. Coming back to present day, Stanford and USC 
in similar boats right now, and they seem they seem similar in in many important and key ways. And offensively, there's been a lot made of of Clay Helton, the USC head coach, bringing him Grant, bringing in Graham Harrell uh, to help install the air raid offense, or at least an, an offshoot of it. And we saw a bit of that, obviously, with JT Daniels out there in the first half before he left the game against Fresno State uh, with his his knee injury that cost him the rest of the season. And during that time, in less than 30 minutes of ball, Daniels put the ball up 34 times. 34 passes for JT Daniels. Completed 25 of them for only 215 yards. Didn't exactly get downfield. I mean, you know, 25 of 34, okay, that's pretty cool, but... I prefer to see more yardage produced with a completion ratio like that. But still, these are two offenses that seem to be placing more of an emphasis this year on getting the ball out quick, getting the ball out to their playmakers. We certainly saw this for Stanford against Northwestern with quick outs and quick plays and quick passes, specifically to Connor Weddington and to Michael Wilson as well. Good rhythm throws. K.J. Costello did complete 11 in a row against Northwestern at one point. And also getting running backs involved in the passing game, but also in the running game as well. They have a number of running backs that can that can hurt you, as David Shaw pointed out. So does Stanford. And they're also coming off of, of similar games. Stanford, or check that, USC beating Fresno State last week, 31-23. to USC was in some control, perhaps early, midway through the third quarter. But then Fresno State fought back and actually had a chance to tie the game after some questionable time management by USC, who forgot to kind of turn back the tempo a little bit and almost came back to bite him in the butt. But close game for Stanford last week against Northwestern. Close hard-fought game for USC against Fresno State last week. And I think that that presents an interesting dynamic when you talk about scouting for each of these two respective teams. Because certainly when you look at, you know, when you're going into scouting a team's second game of the year and that first game was a 62-0 blowout, I don't know exactly how much you're going to learn. I would think you're going to learn a little bit more from a result like that, like USC had against Fresno State, than you might have had otherwise, like, say, Central Florida's game against against Florida A&M. That was a blowout from start to finish. So I asked David Shaw at Tuesday's press conference for his thoughts on whether USC's close game against Fresno State helped aid him and the coaching staff in scouting the Trojans for this week. I mean, they had to play hard the whole game. Um, so I think both, both our game against Northwestern and their game against Fresno, you can kind of put in that category, too, of, you know, they, they missed some chances. Um, they were they were hot early, and then they cooled off for a long period of time. Also, um, to where you know they they really could have won that game going away. Um, just missed a couple of things. So um, glad that it was close. Glad that we were able to see them play a full game um, and not have a chance to rest their guys for a half before they played us. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, but I think uh, watching them play the whole game uh, was good because they got a lot of young guys, a lot of new guys, um, first time starters. Uh, they were to play a whole game that we're able to see. I think kind of the same thing for us. Um, we're talking about our, our inside linebackers, able to get those guys on the field and get them some some time uh, out there to start their college careers. It's an interesting point, as uh, David Shaw brings out, and as he, as he admits that 
look, yeah, it makes it a bit easier because in this, in a way, so to speak, they had to play hard for 60 minutes. So that in a way, they have to put more on tape. It also works for USC as well. As certainly Stanford's game against Northwestern was not completely in full command for the Cardinal, not on the scoreboard anyway, until the final minute, until Stanford's defense fell on that football uh, in, the, in the final minute of the game to close out their 17-7 win over at Northwestern last week. With USC turning to the air raid, and I'm not sure exactly how much of an air raid it's going to be with Keaton Slovis at the controls, the true freshman for USC, that still places a lot on the Stanford secondary. And they're coming off a pretty good game. Paulson Adebo, of course, leading the way with his interception and a few pass breakups against Northwestern. But also their captain, Malik Antoine, off to a good start this year as well. After Wednesday's practice, Malik Antoine and I caught up. Here is our chat with Malik Antoine on the TreeCast with Troy Clare. All right, Malik, here we go. USC week. We'll get your thoughts on the matchup coming up in a few moments or so. But let's put the Northwestern result to bed. Defense leading the way. A terrific effort pretty much from start to finish. Uh, you looked at the tape. You've had a couple days to, to mull it over. Uh, what were some things that stood out at you about that result, especially from the defensive perspective against Northwestern? Okay, for the most part, I man, I was just really proud of our effort. You know, we had guys being physical and running to the ball, you know, from the D-line to DBs, we had just guys just getting after it. So that was a that was a big plus for us for as, us for as, as a team as defense. And then um, turnovers, wow, was, that was a big thing for us. We came into the game like knowing that we need to get the ball back to create some momentum for the offense, and we did that. You know, we had we had four or so turnovers, which is huge for us. That's kind of been the main focus for us. We wanted to be in there, be physical team, be a team with high effort, and a team that get the, got the ball back for offense. And you had a hand in the first turnover as you had the deflection that Andrew Pitts pulled down, or Andrew Pitts rather pulled down for the early interception. Take us through that get, that, that play as you remember it. Um, first off, uh, Coach uh, Coach Anderson put us in a great position. Um, uh, a great play call. And from the from the stop, I was kind of just really really focused. You know, um, my eyes are right. Got my right read and then saw the ball. Was surprised saw the ball. Just tipped it up to Andrew. He finished the play. So, props to Andrew. Finished that play. You know he did a great job of just coming down with the ball. What are some of the things that the defense looks at? And they you know, maybe pass around the stat sheet afterwards and things like that. What are some things that that, that the defense looks at and says, "Hey, we had a pretty successful ball game here." And how did some of those things match up against what happened against Northwestern? A uh, big thing, big point of emphasis for us is the red zone. You know, we want to be a great red zone defense because with the offenses nowadays, guys are going to move the ball down the field. So we just want to, when we get our backs against the wall, just stand up. You know, try our best to give away no points. But if we come away with three in the red zone. That's big for us. So we want to be a team that hangs our hat on. When the going gets tough, when we get down to the end, we play some great red zone defense. All right, take me through what's been on your plate so far this year. What are some things that you want to accomplish at the end, by, or by the end of the season as one of the senior leaders of this team and, of course, as the as the quarterback of the secondary? Mm-hmm. For me, it's um, I want everybody on this team to reach their full potential. You know, um, I want us to, to get better every week, every day at practice. You know, I, um, I kind of preached to the guys this week. I said, put that game behind you, man. Like, you have to get better this week. You know, our main goal is to just improve 1%, 2% each day at practice in each game, you know. So for me, the big goal is that by January, we're the best team we can be. Um, uh, as far as the defense goes, again, like a thing we've been preaching is physicality and turnovers. You know, when, when you can win a turnover battle as a team, 
you're probably going to win the game, you know. So that's what's been big on our mind as far as the defense. What were some things that you worked on this past offseason to get ready for 2019? Uh, physicality, you know, a big, big um, thing for me was tackling. You know, I want to be come a big, big downhill safe that can finish tackles. So I spent a lot of all season with my coaching staff and my teammates just working on tackling, finishing guys, you know, being physical in the weight room, getting bigger, getting stronger. That's a big thing. And also, Catching balls, you know what I'm saying? Like we spent probably like 30 minutes after practice just throwing to each other just so we can finish plays. So a big thing was just being a physical guy and being having the hands and the ability to finish, finish plays. Take us through what your roles are on the field. What are some of your responsibilities generally? What are some things that you have to generally keep in mind when you're out there on the field and helping to coordinate everything and also do your job overall as well? All right. So I'm kind of the, the quarterback of the defense. You know, um, I make a lot of the calls with, along with the linebackers, but – I make a lot of calls and I give a lot, a lot of the alerts out. You know, I'm a guy that kind of like, from my, since my seniority, I kind of see the game well now. So I kind of give out our alerts, the things that we practice that I kind of see in the game when they happen. I'm like, I alert the team for that. You know, I'm, so I'm kind of like the guy that's kind of always yelling. I usually leave the game with no voice, you know. So, <laughs> so my kind of, my big role is getting everyone on the same page, kind of calming everybody down to, you know, because we're talking, we're communicating, everybody gets a little ease. So I take pride in just being that communicator, just being that, that catalyst as far as being the voice, One being more. the guy that just calms everyone down. A lot of fantastic words for yourself leading up into the season. Obi Ebo, I think a lot of coaches were, were very high on him and Paul Nadebo, uh, a young man by this point who, who really needs no introduction. Uh, what are some of the things that some of the other guys in the secondary can do? Right, um, so yeah, Kendall Williamson, uh, this guy right beside me right now he's super super physical and fast you know on top of that he just has a great mental side of the game too Kendall is a guy that can come downhill and cover guys has play finishing abilities the guy that can do it all you know he kind of made he's a guy like me that kind of went from corner to nickel to safety so he can play all three positions so and it shows out there he's really athletic he can do it all um DJ Parson the guy who really just earned a scholarship uh last spring workaholic you know he works works his butt off and it kind of shows in the field you know not a guy that's going to wow you with his size or speed athleticism but he does his job you know um and he's been doing his job for a long long time he's savvy kind of reminds me like of a tiny badger type guy just he's a savvy guy that just loves playing game loves bringing energy just loves having fun Interesting you bring up the Honey Badger. You, of course, are from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. When, when you go back there and people ask you about what it's like playing for Stanford and what it's like being in the Pac-12, of course, SEC is king back there. I'm, I'm told it matters more in that part of the country. But you know, what, what do you tell them about what the Stanford and the Pac-12 experience is like? Um, first of all, I tell them that um, about Stanford, it's the total experience. You know, being here at Stanford, you get to the academic side, the people, just being around so many great people and so many great things that you kind of get the full package here as far as football goes i said football is the same everywhere you know we play some top competition we play some big time opponents you know so football is always the same i i i think i pride myself off of being a guy that that came all out here and just bringing a little southern vibe to this to this place you know but when i'm back home you know i kind of i i i give us the respect that we deserve you know being in the pac-12 we play some tough competition being at stanford you know this year you look at our schedule it's wild, you know. We play some some great teams, you know. So, I kind of I'm kind of that voice that just lets everyone know that the Pac-12 got something too.
All right, let's talk about the USC Trojans this week. Uh, last year, you had a pretty good game against them with two picks and helping to lead the way in Stanford's big win against USC last year. Um, what do you remember about last year's game and how potentially different uh, are, are this year's Trojan squad? Uh, I remember last year's game, it being a, just a physical battle, you know. Um, they always have great athletes out there on the perimeter. So I remember last year just being a point of, point of emphasis was our mental side of the game going to the game, but also just being able to get that guys down in space, you know. So um, I think this year it's kind of the same type of energy, but we know that the, the USC has a new offensive coordinator this year, so they kind of have adapted to a more passing attack, but they're still balanced with it too. So as far as this this year goes, again, it's us being locked in on our jobs, us being locked in on what we have to do, but also knowing that there are some pretty good athletes on the perimeter. Tackling guys is very important. Finishing plays is very important. And again, we just have to tip our hat off to our effort. You know, we got to be we got to be a defense that just runs to the ball. Eleven has to ball every play and just play physical. Initial thoughts on Slovis, the quarterback who's being mm -hmm. thrust into the spotlight, and right. some of the receivers he throws to. Um, he's good. You know, um, being a freshman to come in that game and finish the game out was amazing. You know, he's a guy um, that has an arm. You know, one of his first balls through the Tyler Vaughns was a dime. You know, deep long ball that was very impressive. You know, so we we kind of figure first. Watch from first first game being out there. He has a long, has an arm. And he he can use it. Um, as far as receivers, you know, you got Tyler Vaughns, you got uh, Michael uh, Pittman, who's who's had a great game versus us all the time. And um, I, um, Osiris' brother um, Iman St. Brown, who's also a great athlete. You know, so they have they have weapons. You know, so so we're we're up to the challenge in the secondary. You know, we've been kind of talking about it all week. We just can't wait to get out there and play, man. We love playing versus the best. Love playing versus athletic guys. Just want to go out there and make some plays. All right, and a couple last questions for you here. I'm sure you love playing down at the L.A. Coliseum. You walk through that tunnel. You know, you hear that band ad nauseum. You yeah. see those fans. You know, you've walked through that tunnel before. You've played on that, that field and been on that field before. What's it like being out there on that stage, especially in a game like this? Right. Uh, it's big, you know. Um, there's a lot of excitement as soon as you walk out there. You know, USC fans are rowdy, they're loud, the band's loud. You know, if you ever notice that practice, we kind of simulate that band noise <laughs> all day. So you kind of hear that Trojan fight song all day long in your head. But, I mean, it's exciting, you know. Um, there's a lot of good energy, a lot of good vibes out there. So, I mean, as far as football goes, like, you're going to be in a wonderful environment to, to have fun and play some great football. So I'm just excited. You know, I'm excited to go out there, be with my brothers, and just play the game we love. All right, last thing for you here, and it's an overall big picture type deal. For Stanford football to be successful this season, in your mind, blank is going to have to happen. Fill in the blank for me. I think we're going to need everybody. As far as every guy on this team is going to contribute in a way that we may know right now or we may not know. So going, to, going into this season, we just have to communicate that everybody matters, whether it's a scout team guy, or to Paulson Debo starting cornerback. You know, we need everybody to play their best ball. We need everyone to get better each and every week. We need everybody not to be satisfied, you know. No matter how good or bad we play, we have to continue to get better. We have to continue watching tape, continue critiquing our little mistakes, continue being the best version of ourselves. I think, I think as far as the season goes, like, we just can't stop until we hit January. Should be fun. It's always fun to go down there against USC, and it's even better to come away with the win. Can't wait to see what you and the guys have uh, cooked up for the Trojans. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Our thanks to Malik Antoine. Really enjoyed that chat and uh, looking forward to, to seeing what he and the Stanford secondary can do against USC. By the way, Stanford has a tough schedule. We all know this, but, but, but don't sneeze at this upcoming stretch for USC. After this game against the Cardinal, USC is at BYU. That's never easy. They host Utah, 
on a short week at Washington, a bye week, than at Notre Dame. Good luck with that if you're the USC Trojans. Certainly does not get much easier from here for USC. But this is a Stanford football podcast, so, you know, (laughs) that's their problem. Stanford's got issues of its own. And that brings me to my overall key to this game. You heard David Shaw, and I asked him for his keys uh, to Saturday's contest against USC, and he, he named, you know, field position, tackling, uh, and, and, and physicality, and, and, and yes, all of those things are going to be important. But I think the main key to this game is going to be protection. With Trojans, it's all about protection, but protection is going to be the key here for both sides. Was not really impressed necessarily by USC's ability to get to the quarterback against Fresno State. Now, small sample size, yes. Just one game, yes. But I I didn't necessarily look at the USC Trojans' performance against Fresno State and go, oh my God, this is like the 1976 dealers out there. How in the world are these guys going to get a pass off? Now, I thought USC was, was pretty good against the run. They appeared to be more stout against the run for much of that game than they were in the pass rush category. So I'm not sure exactly what USC's capabilities in the pass rush category are. Then again, Stanford's about to trot out a true freshman out there who, again, has yet to crack open a book and walk into his first class at Stanford University. So perhaps that changes. What will Stanford do to help out Walter Rouse when they need it, if he needs it. You heard David Shaw earlier talk about how De- Devery Hamilton uh, will be playing next to him, so of course he'll be a, a great resource to him. But how does that change Stanford's pass protection schemes? Will the running backs have to stay in more often than going out for pass patterns? Will they get the tight ends involved? Scooter Harrington. Tucker Fisk, does that mean that those guys uh, take more of a pass-blocking role as this game goes along and they line up on Walter Rouse's side? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's going to be a very critical key to this game. Now, on the flip side, again, small sample size, just one game, but I feel pretty good about Stanford's abilities in the pass rushing department. I felt good about that coming into their game against Northwestern, and I still feel pretty good about that now. And facing a true freshman quarterback who is entering his first start and likely trying to trying to figure it all out. If Stanford does what it needs to do in the pass rushing category, and if the Cardinal can protect KJ Costello or Davis Mills, no matter who the Stanford quarterback is, if they can protect the quarterback, and if they can get to the quarterback. That'll be a tremendous development in Stanford's favor. To me, it's all about protection. It's all about protection. Brings us to our final feature of the show. It's brand new for the season. Hope you enjoyed it. By the way, I'm looking forward to getting your thoughts on on this game, and I certainly welcome them on Twitter. Uh, Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. That's by far the best way to 
to guarantee that I see your thoughts. You can also follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. Last name is C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. So you can have your say, but we call this feature, They Said It. And speaking of the pass rush for Stanford, Casey Tuhill, who was pretty active against Northwestern last week, still thought that there's plenty of room for improvement, still thinks there's plenty of room for improvement in Stanford's pass rush. If we want to be an outstanding defense, we really need to generate a lot of pressure with four guys. I mean, the best defenses do that all the time. So, you know, I think we did a decent job of it last week. I think that's just something we got to keep improving because, I mean, we'll face uh, – We'll face probably better tackles. We'll face uh, different schemes, and we really got to just keep improving with that because I think that is just a crucial element of where we want to be as a defense. Ah, the relentless pursuit of perfection claims yet another victim. That's Casey Tuhill and his thoughts on the pass rush. By the way, he's not wrong. Uh, A lot of things uh, certainly help out if you're able to get to the quarterback using just four guys. Again, I think that's going to be the key to this game. But they said it. Casey Tuhill wants more improvement in the pass rush. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait. The TreeCast will be in the building at the L.A. Coliseum. New and improved. I actually like how the place looks on TV. I'm usually pretty skeptical about, you know, placing, you know, luxury skybox towers and they look out of place and all those sorts of things, but I actually like it. It actually looks pretty good on TV. Looking forward to seeing how the place is all gussied up and ready to go for this week. So the TreeCast will be at the L.A. Coliseum after the game. We will be in the Cardinal locker room bringing you interviews, and you will hear those chats. We will bring them to you on Sunday. So we'll talk to you on Sunday for the next edition of the TreeCast. Again, don't forget, subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can follow the show on iHeartRadio Podcasts, uh, Podchaser. This, 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 this show is out there for you. The TreeCast with Troy Clarity. You really have no excuse. Wherever you get your favorite podcast from, generally, subscribe to the show. Rate the show and review the show. I always appreciate your feedback. If you love the show, great. Tell the world. If you don't like the show, tell me. Let me know what I can do to help make it better. Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last time it's spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. Off to Los Angeles, and then back on Sunday with another edition of the show. Our thanks to one and all, David Shaw. His one-on-one time, always valued, always appreciated, and we hope you enjoyed that chat with him. And Malik Antoine, good stuff with the senior from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, as well. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. That's as cut and dry as I can possibly put it. And we'll talk to you on Sunday. Thanks for checking us out on the TreeCast with Troy Clinton.